Welcome to In the Black with your host, Bob Dickerson. Our program takes a look at the socioeconomic issues affecting black America. From education to news and politics to business matters, we have the stories and guests that you need to hear about. Now, here is Bob Dickerson. Hello, everyone. This is Bob Dickerson with In the Black on the Voice America Radio Network. Happy to be here today. Happy to have you out there. Uh, We're going to have a fantastic show, I believe, and I pray that you think that it will be fantastic, too. Remember, you can reach me. You can uh, get me on Twitter. It's at in the black at N-T-H-B-L-K or at B. Dickerson Jr. Uh, Visit my website, BobDickerson.com. Get me on Facebook at Bob Dickerson, Bob Dickerson on Facebook. So reach out to me. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Been hearing from some of you. And I'm glad to know that uh, most of you like the program. Uh, Most of you seem to agree with some of the things I've said and some of the positions I've taken. We'll we'll see what happens after this show. But um, we're actually in February. And so it is actually Black History Month. We've talked a bit about important black people in history for the past two or three weeks. Uh, I don't know that there will ever be a show that I don't acknowledge the contributions that African-Americans have made to this country, to this great country. And, but this is the month. This is Black History Month. And one of the things that I have failed to do is I have failed to talk about the father of Black History Month, and that is Dr. Carter G. Woodson. Carter Woodson actually started something called Negro History Week. When I was in in school, in grade school, and I think through even through high school, we observed Negro History Week, and it was much the same as what we do on Black History Month or during Black History Month. We we celebrate Black people and the the contributions that Black people have made to America, and and we try to learn more about who they were and what they've done, and 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 actually highlight some that may not be so famous. So, uh, so we may do a little bit more of that today, but Carter Woodson, like most black people of his day, he was born in 1875. His parents had been slaves. His parents had been slaves, somebody else's property. He had a thirst for knowledge and education so much so that, uh, that he actually went to high school, went to a high school, even in his 20s, he was still trying to become educated. And, and he did that. He was very successful at becoming educated. As a matter of fact, he attended Berea College, the University of Chicago, and Harvard University. So, so he did well in terms of pursuing and receiving his education. Uh, he was a, a bright man, no doubt a man who was committed to African-American history and the history of Africans and black people in America. And that is one of the things that led him to wanting to do Negro History Week because he felt, and certainly he was right, that we need to acknowledge the contributions and the accomplishments of black folks in this country. So no Black History Month celebration would be complete. Uh, No conversation about black history would be complete if you don't acknowledge Dr. Carter G. Woodson. Another individual that we don't talk a lot about uh, is William Steele. Uh, William Steele was an abolitionist. Uh, He was in Philadelphia. If you talked about him, you would say that he was the conductor of the Underground Railroad. Now, we talk about Harriet Tubman, and I just watched a movie about Harriet Tubman just recently. It was a great movie. If you get a chance to see it, then I highly recommend it. But, uh, but William Steele doesn't get enough credit, but he was the conductor and arranged for many uh, fleeing slaves from southern states to come north and then be protected uh, and then be cared for, be housed, uh, found employment, and, and allowed to 
assimilate into life as a free person, life as a, a, a free man or a free woman. And so during Black History Month, we also have to celebrate the courageous acts of a gentleman, William Steele, who also was an entrepreneur. Uh, it, quite often, the entrepreneurial achievements of African Americans, especially of that era, are not well chronicled, uh, are not well noted. And But William Steele was also an entrepreneur and a person who brought great intellect and integrity, but great passion toward having his brothers and his sisters who were toiling in slavery, his passion to have them free. Charles Drew is another that is not talked about enough now. Um, he was the, he discovered blood plasma and did a lot of research. He was a, a doctor, as I mentioned. The sad thing about Dr. Charles Drew, who was a great athlete uh, coming up, was that he died because of segregation. Uh, he had an injury, and the hospital that he, that he needed to go to, the most convenient hospital, was one that was segregated. And so he actually bled to death because he was unable to attend or to, to be admitted and be treated at a hospital because of the color of his skin. Now, can you imagine a man whose research and whose discovery saved hundreds of thousands, if not millions of lives, and I would dare say millions, especially by now, died because his skin color did not allow him to receive the treatment, to receive the treatment that he needed. A sad story about a great man, Dr. Charles Drew. Uh, George Crumb, who invented the potato chip of all things. Now, you know, all of us eat potato chips. Perhaps some of us shouldn't. What's potato chips? That's sort of junk food. Well, you know, potatoes are pretty good. I guess when you put all the salt and the processing on it, maybe it makes it junk food. But who would know that uh, the George Crumb was the inventor of the potato chip? And then I, I thought about this and uh, <laughs> the Green Book. Now, there is also a Green Book movie that was a bit controversial because the movie itself kind of took the name of the Green Book, but it wasn't really about the Green Book per se. Uh, it had some elements. And, and, and I have no problem with uh, the writers and creators taking liberty because when you watch a movie, you know you're watching a movie. And, you know, if it states that it is based on a true story, that doesn't mean that it is a true story. I think we have to really make sure when we see that thing says based on a true story, it didn't say the true story. And so, uh, but, but the, the Green Book was actually a book. Uh, let, me, let me explain it to you this way. So most of us know that during the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, a lot of African-Americans moved from the South to the North in pursuit of integration, okay, and better opportunities, better job opportunities, and to leave some of the, the, the adamant uh, discrimination, overt discrimination that existed in the Southern states like Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, Louisiana. And so cities like Chicago and Gary, Detroit, Boston and Cleveland, New York, those folks from the South actually moved there, but they wanted to come home. And we know that during the 50s and into the 60s, 40s, 50s, and into the 60s, an African-American traveling below the Mason-Dixon line might get there. Who knows what might happen to you? Well, there certainly weren't hotels that you could live in. 
there were few restaurants that you could eat. Even gas stations refused service. And so it was important that these folks have a guide. They needed a roadmap, but they also needed an accommodations map. And so uh, Victor Hugo Green and his family started something called the Green Book. It was an annual guide, uh, which was published each year annually. And it listed the hotels, the gas stations, and restaurants around the nation that would be hospitable to black travelers. Actually, it was called uh, the Negro Travelers Green Book. And it was a very important book for people who traveled. My relatives traveled a lot uh, from those cities I mentioned, Boston, Cleveland, and Detroit. During the 50s and during the early 60s and before integration, uh, and again, if you were traveling, you kind of took your uh, your life really in your own hands because not only could you be discriminated against if you wanted to stop and eat, stop and buy gasoline, you certainly couldn't stay in a, in, a, in a hotel, but there needed to be somewhere that you could stay, that you could eat, uh, that would be friendly and hospitable. And Green and his family actually were very smart and they found a need and they filled it as did A.G. Gaston and created a book that would accommodate or at least let black travelers know where it's safe to stay uh, and where it's safe to stop. And so, you know, as we think about Black History Month, we have to think about all the things that black people have gone through in this country uh, to just survive. Uh, and it makes you kind of proud that, you know, we've done as well because of the kind of overt discrimination that has happened. To have to have a book that showed accommodations was something that we think about now, and, and, and it's, it's phenomenal. Uh, many wouldn't believe that it happened. I certainly learned about it years and years ago. But, uh, but, but as we enlighten other people, you can see the looks on their faces because they don't know and wouldn't have thought that such a book would have been necessary. So we wanted to start off this segment just finishing up, and I'm not sure we'll ever stop talking about Black history, but those were some of the things that we hadn't said before, and we wanted to make sure that we got that in to you. So got some interesting things to talk about during the rest of the show. I'm glad to have you with us. This is Bob Dickerson on the Voice America Radio Network with In the Black. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you ever experienced the joy of living? Not just aspects of your life, but the true joy of life itself. Barry Shore has. You could call him an ambassador of joy. From a successful entrepreneur to becoming a quadriplegic due to a rare disease to his ongoing recovery through swimming and physical rehabilitation. Barry now presents his gifts to others as host of The Joy of Living. All you need to do is tune in. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel.
You are listening to In the Black with Bob Dickerson. If you have a question or a comment about the program, please send an email to Robert B. Dickerson Jr. at gmail.com. That's Robert B. Dickerson Jr. at gmail.com. Now, back to In the Black. Hey, welcome back. This is Bob Dickerson with In the Black on the Voice America Radio Network. I am uh, I'm happy to be here, happy to have you out there. I'm, I'm, I really want to talk about something that has me concerned. And, um, and I, I think that most of us ought to be concerned about what is happening in our country. This is the United States of America, but more and more we seem to be acting like the divided states of America. You know, we're anything but united. And I'm, you know, and, and we have this really cold wind that's blowing. Um, and I'm not talking about the weather forecast. I'm talking about the nation and where we seem to be headed because we're pitted against each other based on party affiliation, based on color, based on religious beliefs, customs, and mores. And it seems that we've forgotten that diversity of thought and diversity of ideas were supposed to be the strength of this nation. Uh, we were a melting pot where everybody brought their their customs, everybody brought their thoughts, everybody brought their beliefs, beliefs. But we put all of that in and, and what we came out with or what we were supposed to come out with, or maybe in the past we did, was something that said that we lived in a country that it didn't matter who you were. It didn't matter where you started. It didn't matter your color. Well, we know that wasn't really true, but we said it anyway, that you got a fair shot and that you were able to not only contribute, but you were able to benefit. Uh, diversity was supposed to be our strength as a nation. And even though we might think differently, even though we might vote differently, the folks that we disagree with were still our brothers and our sisters. They were still our colleagues and our coworkers. They were still our church members, even our family members. But now it seems that we have fortressed ourselves in some corners and we're actually considering people that we disagree with enemies. I'm a news junkie, as I mentioned before, so I hear people referring to someone of another political party, not a political party, not another country, not somebody from another hemisphere, not somebody from another planet. We're talking about people that are our neighbors and we're referring to them as enemies. We've got people who are ready to fight rather than compromise. And this enmity is creating a chill. I'm telling you, there's a cold wind blowing. It's creating a chill, and I think that we all need to pay attention because this stuff is serious. This stuff is serious. Many Americans would literally kill, and some are doing so. Some folks are doing so. We're hearing utterances of words like civil war coming from the mouths of top-level political leaders. Uh, we're hearing lies and mistruths and, and, and things intended to mislead the public. And then we're hearing silence from others who know that there are lies coming from, for example, the White House and other places. So mo nobody's calling out their colleagues Everybody's entrenched in their corners. There's this chill blowing. There's some meanness that's being allowed to incubate and, and flourish. And we still say we have a democracy, but guess what? In a democracy, I think some of the requirements are honesty and decency. I think in a democracy, morality and fairness are requirements. I just think that. I think honesty, decency, morality, fairness, 
These are things that have to happen in a democracy. So we can't have a country where, and like some of the other uh, countries in Eastern Europe, and perhaps in some parts of the Middle East where cheating and stealing, where racism and demagoguery, where religious persecution are the norm. We don't have that in America. And if we continue to allow this, where is it going to lead? The divided states of America. Think about it. We have Americans versus America. People who would subvert and, 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 and have anarchy in our streets and in our communities and everywhere within the fabric of our country. We have America against Americans, policies and programs that are pushing people down and taking people who are already at the bottom and pushing them down even further. Um, and this kind of division, it seems like, and I wasn't born, I was born in 1952, so a few years after World War II, but it seems like this division has started widening since World War II. We had a couple of wars that we didn't agree with. Uh, Korea, not so much. Vietnam created a division in our country. It created riots and protests and, and people actually got killed. We had to have a civil rights movement, a civil rights movement where children had to march in the streets for voting rights and for equal access and for fairness in employment and housing and other things. And we still haven't totally achieved that, but we had to have a movement. And unfortunately, our civil rights movement relaunched organizations like the Klan. Uh, it actually launched the Dixiecrats. These were people who were in Congress who were adamantly opposed to integration and fairness, these segregationists. So you look at the, the, the backlash against a civil rights movement that sought fairness and equity for a group of Americans who were being discriminated against. Then you look at the war protests that we had where Americans were voicing their First Amendment rights to say that they didn't agree with the policies of our government. Uh, you had people burning flags as well as bras. And all of this sort of gave rise to a conservative movement. And the conservative movement versus this liberal movement really seems to be entrenched now where we have the divided states of America. So I am very, very concerned that, uh, that what we're doing is, is not, only not smart, but it doesn't seem like this will end up in a good place for our country. We're supposed to be a country that has common goals, common objectives, maybe different opinions on how to get there, but we're trying to get to the same place. We're a country that our different political opinions aren't supposed to make us enemies of each other. It just means we have different opinions. We're a country where majority is supposed to rule. So once the majority rules, then those who were against the ruling still need to help push us forward. It may not be the decision that you would have made, but it doesn't do any, do any good to keep fighting against the decision of a majority. Of course, the majority has to be fair and equitable. I mentioned er earlier that this system says that we're supposed to be honest and we're supposed to be decent and we're supposed to be moral and we're supposed to be fair. And so when we get outside of those lines, then we are crossing some lines that we may never come back. We we really get concerned about uh, what happens with terrorism, for example, and some of the ways that the Sunnis treat the Kurds and other people in the Middle East treat each other. We were really concerned when there was, was ethnic cleansing that was going on in 
Bosnia and Serbia and some of those Eastern European countries. We were concerned about that, so concerned that we sent troops. But here we are separating children from their mothers. And these children are from some Central Americans, underscore that word Americans. Yes, they may not be citizens of the United States of America, but they are Americans, Native Americans. And so how can we look ourselves in the mirror look ourselves in the mirror, go to church and look to your left and look to your right and understand that you may be looking at a person who votes different from you, who might not think exactly like you think. But if the two of you share the honesty and decency, the morality and fairness that this democracy says that we should, then we're not going to be that far apart and we're not going to allow the fact that we have some differences cause us to be indifferent and hateful toward each other. And so I'm concerned about this cold wind that's blowing. Again, this is not the weather forecast. I'm concerned about what's happening in America. I'm concerned about America fighting against Americans. I'm concerned about Americans fighting against America. I'm concerned about the discourse, the words we use, the lack of heart that we are showing, the lack of care and compassion, the lack of empathy or sympathy that we have for our fellow man. I'm concerned, and I think that all of us need to be concerned about where we are headed in this country. This is Bob Dickerson. You're listening to In the Black on the Voice America Radio Network. Follow us on Twitter at Voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. We all know that today our country is in many ways run by vested interests which have accumulated large amounts of power for themselves and at our expense. But this can be changed by recognizing the problems and then by adopting libertarian solutions to address them. Tune in to All Rise, The Libertarian Way with Judge Jim Gray. Judge Gray and his guests will discuss the problem areas of today and then present solutions that result in a better world for ourselves and our children. Tune in Fridays at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to In the Black with Bob Dickerson. If you have a question or a comment about the program, please send an email to Robert B. Dickerson Jr. at gmail.com. That's Robert B. Dickerson Jr. at gmail.com. Now, back to In the Black. Hello once again, everybody. This is Bob Dickerson with In the Black on the Voice America Radio Network. Really happy to be with you today. Uh, it is Black History Month. We talked a bit about Black History Month, and and I shared some of my uh, my concerns about this country and where we're going. I hope I hope uh, you are listening. Number one and number two, I hope I have spurred some thoughts because I think that we can do better, and I think we must do better. Uh, it is incumbent upon us, all of the people who are thinking. Uh, all of the people who are concerned, all of the people who want to leave a good mark and make some good stuff happen uh, during our walk and our time here on earth. So 
we should all want something better and we should want something better for everybody, not just for ourselves and for our, for our offspring. I want to talk a bit about something I've got coming up uh, just next week. It'll, it'll actually start on Tuesday the 11th through Wednesday the 12th. And if you're in Birmingham, Alabama, you'll know that one of the premier Black History Month celebrations is our A.G. Gaston Conference. The A.G. Gaston Conference has been around now. We'll be having our 16th conference coming up next week. And I wanted just to talk a bit about uh, A.G. Gaston and who he was to me. I was a, a banker and had got out of banking. I was coming back to Birmingham to work. My father had uh, maneuvered a, <laughs> a situation where I was going to interview with Dr. Gaston, and I did. I was actually going to go back to work for the bank that I had previously worked for, but uh, but my father, in his infinite wisdom, made some moves and made some calls. And so I was able to get an appointment to visit with Dr. Gaston, who hired me within about a minute and a half, offered me a job. I was there all prepared to give my pitch. You know, I had my best suit on and, you know, the tie tied just correctly. And I, you know, I, I knew banking and I was ready to sell myself. But I didn't have to because after about a minute of me trying to sell me, Gaston came back and he says, oh, yeah, I think we can use him in the loan department. And so, so I was able to get the job there. That job propelled me to where I am today. It allowed me to meet uh, some very important people, both inside and outside of Gaston's enterprise. If you want to know more about A.G. Gaston, Google him. He was entrepreneur of the century, uh, according to Black Enterprise Magazine. But if you Google him and read his story, I think you'll be phenomenally impressed, but, uh, but, but I got a chance to work for him and it revived a banking career. And again, put me in a position to increase my personal popularity, develop some skills and meet some people that would be important to me, uh, as I moved on in my career. And so, uh, so I moved on from the company. I was there five years. I worked for another couple of banks. I started a company in 1993. I went to Gaston in 84. I started my company in 93. But I never forgot what Gaston meant to me. And so when he passed away in 1996 at 103 years old, I started thinking then that our community should do something in his honor, something to remember him. And and it took me a while. I started a nonprofit, the Birmingham Business Resource Center that I run today. And so it, it took me a few years, but uh, my partner, Gaynell Adams-Jackson, and I launched the AG Gaston Conference. We held our first conference in 2005. And here's why we did it. There are several reasons. A, as I mentioned, Gaston was a phenomenal man who needed to be and deserved to be honored. He started many businesses. He employed hundreds of people. He contributed to economic development in our community. He was a serial entrepreneur who did great things. He was a philanthropist as well. But we also needed to use Gaston's story, uh, the fact that he grew up poor, the grandson of slaves, that when he was born, he was destined to be a statistic, that there was nothing in his early life that would have predicted him being wildly successful, but he did it anyway. He overcame the odds. And so I say all the time to business people of any shape, color, race, unless you're born rich and you want to really create wealth through business ownership, yeah, you've got to, you've got to have the stuff that it takes to do it. You've got to have, you know, you've got to have some fortune, but you also, I like the saying where it says, Luck is where opportunity meets preparation. And so, yeah, it's not about luck. It's about you being prepared to take advantage of an opportunity when it shows up. That's what Gaston certainly was. We also knew that Gaston's recommendations for success, and we revised them just a bit this year, but he understood that in order to be successful as a business person, and these things are really things that will help you succeed anywhere. You had to do a few things. Uh, number one, thrift and discipline 
are vitally important. Uh, Gaston was thrifty. Gaston was disciplined. He wasn't just out here trying to, even though he had a lot of money, you couldn't look at him and tell it. You couldn't look at his car and tell it. You couldn't look at his clothes and tell it. You couldn't look at his house and tell it. He believed in saving a part of all you earn. In fact, on his commercials that played on the radio when I was coming up, it said, pay yourself first. Pay yourself first. Boy, what a, what a phenomenal notion that when I get paid, pay myself first as opposed to paying anyone else. Pay yourself first. Save a part of all you earn and pay yourself first. Uh, he also said to us that, and, and he, w- he had a way of saying it, uh, but he said it doesn't matter what kind of pocket is in the suit as long as there's money in the pocket. In other words, you didn't have to go out and get the latest and greatest in clothes and other things. It was better to have some money in the pocket, even if you had a 10-year-old suit. And so, you know, when you really think about the kind of discipline that's necessary to succeed in business and in life, uh, being conservative with money was very important. Another thing, uh, never borrow anything that you can't pay back if you're forced to. So what that says is maybe you should live beneath your means and not above your means. You know, those are very important. And, And perhaps his most famous um, slogan or statement was find a need and fill it. And that was the thing that he did in business and the thing that made him successful. So, so we've got this conference is going to kick off on Tuesday here in Birmingham. So if you're, if you're in Alabama, if you're in Georgia, Mississippi, Tennessee, it's worth a drive to Birmingham because the conference is going to be great. Uh, We kick off with an opportunity forum. So if you are a business owner and you're looking for some of to take advantage of opportunities being created by major corporations and some of the municipal activities, we're building a stadium, expanding transit, expanding the airport. We're hosting world games. Uh, we've got uh, a lot of stuff happening here. So if you're in business in Alabama or in surrounding states and you're looking for opportunities, then our opportunity forum would be something that you want to to come and, and check out, get a chance to meet some of the movers, shakers, procurement officers, um, some of the decision makers around those opportunities and others. Uh, the Gaston Conference is always a great networking event, so I can guarantee you're going to meet somebody who will be beneficial to you in business as you and, and in life as you move forward. Our luncheon keynote speaker the the first day is a woman named Maggie Anderson. Maggie uh, wrote a book called Our Black Year. She's running an organization called The Empowerment Experiment, Uh, a phenomenal speaker and a person who is dedicated to growing and supporting black business enterprise. We love Maggie. And Maggie is going to be followed by George Frazier, who is the author of a book called Success Runs in Our Race and Click. George is a powerful individual, a great speaker, understands the importance of networking. George is followed by Eugene Mitchell, uh, who just authored a book, Closing the Racial Wealth Gap. It's going to be a phenomenal day. Uh, That day will conclude with a financial literacy town hall meeting. We know that financial literacy is something that is important to all of our people in all of our communities. The more we know about money and finances, the better we live. Uh, The next morning, Wednesday morning, we start off with a group of younger people. And um, the topic is the next A.G. Gaston. We want to, what can we do to locate, create, or incubate the next A.G. Gaston, the next phenomenal businessman or woman who will rise up from our midst? And so uh, we'll hear that. And and our plenary speaker after that is Shelly Bell. Shelly Bell is, uh, is a phenomenal, young, entrepreneurial, social uh, disruptor, system disruptor, I think is what she calls herself. But she is, uh, she's starting venture funds for 
black women in business. Um, and so, uh, so Black Girl Ventures is the name of her organization. We're really excited about having Shelly. She's getting a lot of national press. And it's always good when we can get somebody who is bringing a national focus by virtue of the fact that she's getting this national press to our conference. And we finish up with Michael A. Graves. And Michael's a great businessman on his own. And I hate to say this, but his claim to fame may be still the fact that he is the son of the the founder and publisher of Black Enterprise Magazine, Earl Graves. And Earl Graves was an A.G. Gaston DeFote. Earl Graves, I can remember seeing him visit A.G. Gaston in his office. So the A.G. Gaston Conference is one you won't want to miss if you're anywhere around Birmingham or Alabama. You be sure to come. This is Bob Dickerson on the Voice America Radio Network within the Black. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Today, many doctors prescribe basic pharmaceuticals to their patients who aren't feeling well or have various aches or pains. Is this the right course of action for all patients? Definitely not. Find out about healthy, natural ways to help you feel your best by tuning in to the CBD Ed Show with host Edward Cheney. Ed will explain full-spectrum CBD, where the whole hemp plant can be used for treatment, and answer all of your questions about CBD and natural treatment in general. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. Voice America Network proudly presents the Catherine Zox Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to the Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to In the Black with Bob Dickerson. If you have a question or a comment about the program... Please send an email to Robert B. Dickerson Jr. at gmail.com. That's Robert B. Dickerson Jr. at gmail.com. Now, back to In the Black. Hello, once again, this is Bob Dickerson with In the Black on the Voice America Radio Network. Hey, reach out to me at In the Black, that's N T H B L K, at B. Dickerson Jr. Check me out on Facebook, Bob Dickerson or my bobdickerson.com website. Uh, happy to be here. Happy to talk about business and black history and the conference that we have, the AG Gasson Conference. We're really looking forward to that. I want to give a, a warning, uh, sort of a warning, and you know, just talk a bit about what's happening in the access to capital world for businesses. You know, right after the the subprime uh, mortgage debacle, which occurred, you know, in the early part of the 21st century, kind of contributed to a recession um, that uh, that occurred in uh, 2007, 2008. Now, the targets for predatory lending, which have always been poor people and people who lacked access to capital, just think about it for a minute. So predators exist in communities and neighborhoods where traditional financial intermediaries like banks and others that provide fair financial products don't. And so you go to the hood and you see the title pond, check cashing, uh, you know, furniture rentals and all the things that tend to be uh, predatory and in some cases even unscrupulous. Uh, title puns and payday lenders and those sorts of things. But businesses are also being targeted by predatory lenders because, you know, as banks are sort of exiting the very small 
micro type loans to businesses and that micro is growing. And so a micro enterprise might actually need dollars $50,000 or more. And where a bank isn't interested, then predators are stepping in. And online lenders, all you, all you need to do is go on your computer and put in business loans and you get a bunch of stuff that comes up. Uh, a lot of the advertisement says, hey, it's easy to get. We can get it to you in a day or two. You know, we're not going to look at your financials. You don't have to give us your tax returns, et cetera, et cetera. So generally speaking, when something is, is really easy to get, and if it's a loan, then you should be careful. You should really be careful. Um, there have been, and I have seen this for a fact, have seen it for a fact, loans that if they, an annual percentage rate were computed, it would have been 150%. That's something like you borrow $50,000 and 60 days later, you have to pay back $60,000. It's a high interest rate. That is a very high interest rate. Is it fair? No. Is it legal? Yes. I'll say that again. Is it fair? No. Is it legal? Yes. And so what we have, we have people who have figured out how to legally but unfairly burden consumers and now business people. Legally but unfairly burden consumers and business people. So here's what I would suggest. If you're out here and there's an online lender that has offered you a loan, be sure that you understand the terms. Be sure you understand the terms. If you don't understand the terms, ask somebody who, like me, who does understand them and who has experience in dealing with finance, period, finance, small business, finance, consumer, finance, finance. Ask somebody who's had experience dealing with finance to help you out to figure out if this is a good situation for me, is this a fair situation for me? Am I being used? And what are the implications of me taking this loan? Uh, you need to know that. Uh, is it fair? Because it may be legal and it still may not be fair. The other thing that you want to do, and I, I strongly suggest, and I have nothing against some of the online lenders that I have found who aren't predators and who are just providing something because it's convenient. Because none of us like going in the bank. You know, let's, let's face it. Most people don't like going in anywhere any, anymore because we're doing everything online. God, yeah, be a little careful with that too because you expose a lot of stuff when you do everything online. But, but let's not get into that part. So you don't really want to go to the bank. It's a lot more convenient to do it online. There are some online lenders that are doing it right. But if you're in business, the one thing that you need to have is you need to have a relationship, a relationship with bankers. So let me just draw this distinction. There is a difference in having a relationship with the bank this inanimate, inanimate, you know, organization and a relationship with bankers because those are people. And so I strongly recommend that you develop relationships with bankers, people inside the bank who work for the bank, preferably if you're in business, those people who are inside the bank and work for the bank have some authority. Uh, they have some lending authority. They have some influence with they're higher ups in the bank. And so if they have influence and authority, then they can help you when you need help. And so don't just have a relationship with the bank, have a relationship with the bank and bankers. You want to develop that relationship when you don't need anything. Don't wait till you need $100,000 to introduce yourself to the banker. The banker already ought to already know you if you're a customer there. So develop the relationship with bankers, and I'm saying bankers, that may be more than one banker at one bank, or that may be 
bankers at different banks, it doesn't hurt to have multiple relationships. In fact, I think it's very smart to have multiple relationships. We'll be talking more about how you get loans, how you get financing, how you protect yourself in other shows. Now, I want to just say this before we before we go. I want to dispel this. Dishonesty in business does not yield success. Dishonesty in business does not yield success. Ethics, honesty, and dependability are really important, really important. So, you know, if you're in business and you're just trying to get over on folks, it's not going to really help you in the long term. It's not what you want to do. So anyway, just want to leave you with Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. In order to have a successful business, you must trust God. God's will is what's best for us, and there'll be times when you may not understand why things are happening in business. But God is always trying to teach us. He's always protecting us. Protecting us. He's always got our best interest in mind. This is Bob Dickerson. You've been listening to In the Black on the Voice America Radio Network. I really enjoyed doing the show. I hope you've enjoyed it too. I love to speak to you. I'd love to hear from you. Please reach out to me at In the Black. That's my Twitter handle at In the Black, N T H B L K, at B Dickerson Jr. Um, reach out to me on Facebook, Bob Dickerson. And listen, go out and have yourself a fantastic week. And have a great day. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you for tuning in. Please join host Bob Dickerson for another edition of In the Black next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a terrific week.